0: Stream the show on demand at catchacanradio.com.
1: Happy Monday, my friends. Michelle here with Catch Can Chamber. It is Business Matters Monday. And uh, what's this business with the weather? I'm telling you what. Hey, we've got Dave on the line from the governor's office. Hello, Dave. What's happening?
0: Well, we the house has given us a budget. Are so you kidding? There you go. Happy Monday. I mean it is a budget. I don't know if it's the budget. It is a budget.
1: <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, at least they're meeting.
0: Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing what happens when uh, uh, you, you show up for work. Isn't that like 99% of life, you're showing up?
1: <laughs> right, totally, totally. So uh, you said at least we have a budget. You don't know if it's the budget. Any uh, items on that budget? Well,
0: Senate, that You know, the Senate has to do their stuff, and, and the, the Senate, um, I, I, I guess, from an outsider's perspective, there are some... Differing points of view on certain aspects of, of the budget. I don't know if that if those splits are as deep as we've seen in the House. People crossing different party lines to vote for and against certain amendments. But I I, I think I think what what we can all safely say, and I don't know if Senate President Peter Michikey any money, so this is uh, um, uh, one of the very few compliments I've ever given him, and he's not listening. Is that I I think the Senate probably is capable of moving in a more timely fashion and everybody's motivated on being out by day 120 so we we should we should see that that process pick up the pace a little bit and then of course the conference committee which is anyone's guess as to how long that will take so questions that people have about the marine highway system about uh This program or that program, the funding of education, the overfunding of education, the underfunding of education, the dividend, all those delightful things that make for great talk radio fodder are still in play.
1: Oh geez, okay. Well, I thought there Look would be something you. really you're, you're, exciting. You're the talk show host. <laughs> you get all the subjects for the talk oh, show. Oh yeah, but you're that supposed to be the COVID. exciting one on here. I mean, yeah, but or you know, we talked a little bit last week about this uh, this whole giving people energy checks thing. What 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 whatever happened with that?
0: Well, that, that's that's part of the house budget. I mean, so you've got the newspapers reporting Alaskans are looking at a dividend of about twenty five, twenty six hundred bucks. Well, well, that's not accurate at all. They're looking at a permanent fund dividend of thirteen hundred dollars or twelve hundred dollars, and this this rebranded make good from last year's dividend, but we're going to call it an energy rebate, is about thirteen hundred bucks. So. It, 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 the, the dollar amount is sort of being lumped together by some in the media to give folks the impression of, wow the, the legislature is, is proposing a permanent fund dividend roughly to what the governor proposed, and, and that sounds good, except it, it's not. It's, it's two different things uh, split out for, for the purposes of, uh, quite honestly, politicking at this point.
1: in my opinion and then also you know the first thing that comes to my mind is if they're going to rebrand it as this energy rebate thingamajig um then it's easier in the future for them to yank that back off the table because all of a sudden if you put back into the full pfd um then people are gonna be like hey hey hey, i want my full pfd each and every year here on out yeah
0: yeah, and, and I think really what what we have been arguing for, and, and the vast majority of Alaskans is is make the rule and follow it. What is the calculation? Because because right now, I, no matter what the dollar amount is, there is no calculation. It's not loosely based on any sort of formula. And and yet, as, as your listeners and, of course, your members know, everything that they deal with in government, whether it's workers' comp uh, uh, insurance, uh, premiums, whether it's payroll taxes, everything is based on a calculation. If you don't have calculations in life, you don't have accountants, because accountants are able to forward project what your liability is on on this item or that item and you're able to act accordingly. and if you don't have that, well then you're just kind of sort of winging it true and and it it, it, it doesn't it doesn't work that well to just wing it and and so uh, I, I think reasonable people who have different points of view on dividends, et cetera, et cetera et cetera. I think people all like knowing what are the rules, what am I getting myself into, and now that I know what the rules are I, and I know what i'm what i'm looking at uh, in, in the future, now I can make a calculated business decision as to my expenditures, my expansion, or not expanding and and whether it's it's folks who use a, a permanent fund dividend for for you know need of life purchases. Or the business community just trying to figure out how much money the state of Alaska is spending, frankly, on anything. I, I think everybody would prefer a set in stone calculation as opposed to a shoulder shrug.
1: Yes, I would. I would have to agree with that. Hey, didn't you tell me uh, several weeks ago when we were talking um, the the governor's people's first uh, initiative, where and part of that was food security because I've got. Jen is in the house with the Ketchcan Agricultural Producers Association. Did I get that right? You did. Yes. Okay, cool. And she's got something really cool. But is is wasn't that part of that group? I know there was housing. Oh,
0: it is. It is. So, you know, regular dirt farmers, mariculture farmers. You know, I, I grew up in Nebraska, so whether you farm underground or you you farm on the flat flat lands of Nebraska, agribusiness is agribusiness, and. Uh, whether you're, you're 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 I'm sure your guest is completely aware that that, well, she's probably been a stronger and longer term advocate for developing Alaska's agribusiness than, frankly, just about anybody. COVID did did them a solid by by exposing the food insecurity that the state of Alaska. And that's faces. exactly
1: what they're and, doing. That's exactly the project that they're doing here. They've, they've got it's a huge grant. i pay attention to some of the
0: emails i get not all
1: yeah not <laughs> yeah but no, i i think that's very interesting because i you know i would say up north you know you've got palmer and and the valley and and places like that homer where there's i mean true agriculture I mean like Like, I see cows in the fields kind of deal, but not so much here in Ketchikan. And it's very interesting how food security shakes out in just the the vastness of Alaska. I mean, having gone to Utkiavik and Nome, it was shocking. Shocking. I mean, I I just, I, I was speechless.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, prices, of course. You know, every, I think every year or two, there's the obligatory. I can't believe this is as expensive as it is. Okay, we we, we get we get that that uh, some food in some areas, et cetera, et cetera, is is quite expensive. I, I, I totally understand that, uh, but but. All we've done up until the past few years is marvel at how expensive it is. Now, of course, we're not going to have Connex boxes growing watermelons because it seems like cantaloupes and watermelons are those stunning price point of fruits out in Bethel or wherever, but there are... Medical as well as as food and some light manufacturing impacts that seaweed and kelp can provide uh, long term, both domestically and as an export overseas.
1: Oh, absolutely, uh, definitely o- overseas for sure. We were talking um, with Marco Shear, uh, who's over on Prince Wales Island. He's got quite a large operation, and he was just kind of expounding upon, you know, the possibilities are endless for you know increasing his market. Share share overseas and elsewhere, and, you know, mariculture could be something that is, you know, I mean, okay, so you're, you're from Nebraska, I grew up in Ohio, you know, Midwest, you know, you've got fields of corn and this and that, and, and I mean, you know, you pick them strawberry farms, and this could be like the fields of corn for Alaska, but it's mariculture.
0: Yes. It's just yeah, underwater. It's, it's a different look, um, but, but uh, realistically, the impact is exactly the same. It, it may look a little different. The harvesting and and processing methodologies are way different, uh, but but for all intents and purposes, it's a bottom line cash crop uh, that that has value.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, in that governor's task force, um, what were kind of some of the the hitting key points that that were kind of discovered along the way in in that oh, I, food security I, I think- area.
0: I think, uh, first of all, like I I mentioned, the processing lift capacity in Southeast for dealing with kelp and seaweed, it's... The infrastructure for that is a challenge right now. So you have a capacity problem. So they're working on ways with with the industry to to address that. You know, every, the, the the challenge, of course, is whenever you talk about the state of Alaska getting involved in something, you have the fish processing plant, the barley farms, the dairies, all all of those those specters of practices past raise their heads, right? And and so the, the the key is how do you how do you have the private sector sort of run this without government's superpower ability to to run it or regulate it into the ground? And I think that is still part of the balancing act that you know we're we're trying to to have with the ag folks, the 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 mariculture uh, business folks, as well as communities in Southeast.
1: Well, in that um, you know you talk about. Government running something into the ground, and this is not a jab for you, but it's just an observation, because it was something that I was unaware of, quite frankly. I went to a meeting last week um, with uh, Commissioner of Commerce, Julie Sandy, pending approval, of course, yeah. um, and uh, she went around the room and, you know, that Prince Rupert link from Ketchikan uh, on the ferry system is key. And what I didn't know, and I might have heard it years ago and had forgotten, but one of the fish processor guys, meant, you know, she said, what's your biggest difficulty? How can we help? And he was saying, well, that Prince Rupert thing is key for us because when we lost that link, we lost the ability to actually ship the fresh fish. To market fast enough so that it was fresh, and now we are we're relegated to only frozen, and mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I, I had no idea, you know. So it's not it's not a like hey I'd like to drive my camper up through Canada, hop on Prince Rupert to get to Ketchikan, um, but there's you know real commercial applications for that particular route. Yes,
0: yeah, I, I, I have flashbacks of dealing with the fishmongers when I worked at the airport. We we had a, a cooler, and we had two different uh, fish vendors that would ship uh, to Asia. And one insisted that the cooler be at 33 degrees, and one insisted that the cooler be at 35 degrees. And we only had one cooler, so like, oh my gosh, you you guys, you I know you have this this down to uh, a, a science, but yeah, I, I I think of of all the bad things COVID did, and there was a lot the the heightened awareness as to how fragile our our supply infrastructure is here in the state of Alaska is, is i think is first and foremost and uh, everybody got a crash course in logistics and i think long term that that is going to benefit mariculture industries light manufacturing industries and hopefully Job training we have plenty of empty job training seats in the state of Alaska. We need folks to rediscover the value of being able to weld like my daughter is going to be.
1: oh, that's true no i couldn't I couldn't agree more. You know that was the uh, the other thing that resonated around the room um with Miss Sandy was that people and I was kind of midway, so half the people said their deal, and then they came to me and then the other half the people said their deal. Well, the number one thing I'm hearing from our chamber of commerce members, what are your difficulties? Well, it's people. I'm, I I got to find people, and after I find the people, I got to find them housing. And so by the time it got around to me, it was like, yeah, people and housing. Uh, the the you know not continue to say that again. Uh, but it was quite it was quite fascinating. It really was. And uh, the other interesting thing that I. I I've always thought, and this is just me, um, you know, so we've got these food insecurity issues in Alaska. And the other thing, though, that we've got is these amazing amount of natural resources where if the bleepity bleep really did hit the fan, um, honestly, there's a a collective knowledge and hardworkingness in Alaskans where, quite frankly, we could probably survive in our own backyard.
2: She's laughing yeah. at me. My guest is laughing at me. <laughs> Just it's, it's all resonating with me a lot. I mean, that is really what the intention of of K- Ketchikan Agricultural Producers Association is all about: is becoming more self sustaining as a community. Right. And and we think that one of the better paths that tends to be overlooked in that is looking at the natural resources that already exist within Alaska that do already grow in the ecosystems here and finding ways to you know cultivate and encourage those particular crops. In a way that a can first serve the community and then potentially be looked at as an export.
1: Right. Totally. Totally. Um, so, Dave has. Have you fallen asleep on the other end of the line there?
0: It, it, it's like going to a 4-H meeting back in the day.
1: <laughs> You're right. Hey, I was in 4-H. Don't make fun. Oh uh, uh, wow! Wow, that that is that is a
0: that is a a topic for another day. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is. <laughs> Really,
1: I still remember we my girlfriend taking her cow every year to the state fair, the Ohio State <laughs> Fair, to get to, to have her heifer judged.
0: <laughs> always judging, always oh, judging, always the judging,
1: always. But yeah, I mean, I grew up in in the city of Columbus, Ohio, but they had like a, a gentleman's weekend farm, and that was, I guess, the parents' way of of I don't know putting some work ethic into the kids was they all had to raise their own heifers. <laughs> <laughs> huh. what are, you know, we just go down the drain every week, Dave, right? Bzz, 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 swirl right down the drain. Last year, last week, it was all about dog stuff. Crap, yes. dog crap. Yes. <laughs> and plastic bags. And, plastic. and by the way,
0: I still haven't made much of a dent in it. I had a, I, I had the official Dave Steeren endorsement of any congressional candidate. All they had to do was come help me clean up my backyard. Not even Santa Claus has showed up yet. <laughs>
1: Oh uh, no! The level well, of
0: my disappointment grows.
1: Well, at least it's only in your backyard and not all over the fine streets of Anchorage.
0: That's rough. Well, no, that's on the that's on the pathways. Yeah, it's 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 been lovely, absolutely lovely.
1: So, is your final uh, circling back around? Is your final kind of determination uh, that the that you're thinking like the legislature actually might get out the door on time this year without 15 special sessions?
0: Uh, should we should we do
1: a bet we
0: won't tell anyone you know i'm gonna gonna give you i'm gonna give you a solid maybe a solid maybe a solid typical
1: non-committal government person no i'm just teasing (laughs) (laughs) well is there anything else that you think that should be on our radar because uh, no, I
0: don't want to take up any more of
1: your guest time. Oh no, it's all right. It's all right. Well hey then we'll talk with well, you next she's week. She's right
0: there, she can hear you. <laughs> I know.
1: <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we'll talk to you next week then. Absolutely. Okay, see ya. Thanks. Cheers. Bye. Bye. I just love that guy. He's yeah. hysterical. He's it not what you would expect, you know, coming yeah. from a man in his position. But you can clearly see his radio background for yeah. sure. Okay, so let's let's talk about what you guys are doing. Um, catch is Homes to a lot of different nonprofits, all of whom, in my humble opinion, do great things in many, many different areas of the community. And you guys are doing something that's very, very different. And then, and then here's my other thing. And, I'll, and then I want you to kind of launch into what, what's happening. Um, a lot of times we hear about these massive studies Right. And then you end up with this really great report that a a service or an agency created for you. And then it, it looks really great on your shelf. But you guys aren't doing that.
2: No, we're not. So our project that we're working on um, through 2023 is a feasibility study, which, as you said, they tend to be sometimes just something that gets shelved after the fact. But what we're doing is really a working feasibility study, as well as a business and operating plan for a food hub here in Ketchikan.
1: So what's a food? Tell people what a food hub is. So a food hub. Because a lot of people think McDonald's is the food hub. Right.
2: And I love McDonald's, I do. A food hub, is, it's a little bit of a theory. Um, it's, it's hard to really, it, it encompasses a lot of different things. Um, but essentially, it is a central aggregation point for agricultural producers in a community, a rural community. And what that means, it could be anything from a space to process agricultural resources, whatever those may be. It could be a place to store them, a place where they're purchased and then resold. Um, But basically what it is, is an area where all of the community's needs, whatever those may be, can kind of be serviced in a way that enables people to be able to grow, make their own food.
1: Well, okay, so that's really interesting because, you know, it seems like Since COVID, and a lot of our, I call them micro-producers here in town, got real crafty about distributing their products and making their products during COVID, and, and that was really great. But this is kind of like a mall. So lately we have all these maker's markets, and there's a lot of makers out there. I mean, people make really cool stuff, and a lot of it's food stuff. Like one of my favorite times of the year is Blueberry Festival. Can I go around and get all my special spices and foods and pickles and this and that. Anyway, um, but this is a place where if I'm a micro producer and I just don't want to do it in my kitchen anymore, I could do that there. Or I could uh, say, it, could it be like if I'm, if I'm gathering something and some sort of food product, um, let's just say bull kelp, I, I could store it there too?
2: Possibly, yes. Okay. If, if the research proves out that those are some of the larger needs that a hub could address in Ketchikan, which we obviously all have our own theories about what those are, having mm-hmm. lived here for long enough. Yeah. Um, but it is really, what the research is trying to do is understand what are those needs, Throughout as much of the community as possible, so that we can figure out when we construct this area what needs to be included in it.
1: Could it ultimately be something like those really cool, um, almost like Pike's Place, or, you know, where you have the. You know, you walk down the, the aisles and you see, okay, I've got the bread person, I've got the jam person, I've got the fish person, I, that and that.
2: Could, could it be that even? It could also be that. It's very broad, really. What a food hub can be is, is very, very broad. And it just depends on the unique needs of that particular community.
1: Well, where would it be? Well, it's still early in the game.
2: Very early. So what we're doing right now is we're trying to understand the state of the current food system here in Ketchikan. And then once we have an understanding of what's needed here the most, what's possible to be produced locally, is there anyone here who even wants to produce those things? If they did, what would they need to be encouraged to do so? That's when we can start thinking about, okay, what What components and features need to be in this particular building, market, whatever it may end up being? And it
1: could ultimately be a place where there would be a... I'm going to make this up. I'm I'm kind of out of my element here. But there would be like a, a lab or a kitchen that a person who is a producer could say, well, I need to be able to produce my stuff on Monday afternoons and evenings. And then the next person who does something different comes in and says, "Well, I'm a Tuesday and Thursday person. It could be
2: something like that too, right?" Absolutely, yes, and we we do. Think and then they take it
1: off to wherever they go.
2: Exactly, yes, we do think that would probably be a needed component for those who have either wanted to get into the business of making food doing something like spices or seasonings like you've talked about, the blueberry festival makers, they would be considered a value-added producer so Mm -hmm. they're not actually growing a crop but they are taking something and turning it into something else that's value-added production. Um, So having a space for that to be encouraged we think is something that we're going to be looking at pretty closely in the research. But we really don't know what we don't know and it's going to take talking to a lot of different people within the community who either have tried to produce, are producing, or are interested in producing to really know. Or are interested and are Eating exactly, yeah, <laughs> right. All, all of us are part of the food system, you know. If, as long as you're eating I, food, I'm, I'm the eating people. <laughs> yes, yes. So it's going to really, I think, help us to understand, you know, who, what, what really is needed from the people who are just buying groceries, all the way through to those who are like, you know, what I think I'd like to start a farm.
1: Well, yeah, because you know what? Groceries can be weird here. And this is not a dig at any of our local grocers, okay? But when I talk to my friends in the lower 48 and elsewhere, you know, they always have these preconceived notions about Alaska. And I said, what are the weirdest things that I noticed when we moved here from Florida? You know, you get Tallahassee, Florida, you know, you could get a tomato for 20 cents, you know, or get a whole crate of tomatoes for 10 bucks, well, here, it's strange because the, the regular kind of things, um, I call them daily stuff, right? Your, your uh, cucumbers and your tomatoes, they can be spendy. But then the oddest things, like mangoes, can be really inexpensive. And I could never figure that out because mangoes down there were, like, hugely priced. And I, I never figured that I thought I saw an ad for Safeway last week where they had mangoes for, like, two bucks each.
2: That might be true, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
1: because it stuck stuck out like, whoa, and I don't like mangoes, so shame on me. But um,
2: I was like, oh, wow, that's a good price. I wish I liked mangoes. But it's weird like that. I think some of that is just by virtue of the fact of us being at the tail end of a supply chain, Mm -hmm. really. I mean, it it is, uh, I think it creates some of its own interesting nuances in the way that the local markets exist here.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, and you look at the, you know, like another chamber member, um, you're with Foraged and Found, but uh, our other chamber member, Wolf Point Produce. I mean, let's face it, n- and Nicole knows this, mm-hmm. their stuff is beautiful, but it's not the cheapest in town. It's not. But hey, I will tell you the avocados last longer than anywhere else in town. Hands down, I've tried. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but look at the popularity of just that, what originally was a pop-up kind of business model, and now they have a huge amount of subscription boxes, and and then they evolve that into a, a, you know, I don't need a box. Me? I mean, I think my dog, when I get a box, I think my dogs ate like 10 apples for two weeks. You know what I mean? <laughs> like apples, 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 because it's just me. But I could go in there every Tuesday, and I could pick out, the quantity or whatever I wanted, which is really cool. Anyway, that's hugely popular. So I would chalk that up, need.
2: Right. And I I think that's, it's true. You do notice that when things are more local and and higher quality, that it makes for better eating.
1: Right. And we have the two new businesses uh, that are doing the hydroponic uh, lettuces and greens. And those, the one guy, the outpost, the new guy, the outpost agriculture, which I'm proud to say your chamber initially brought here. Thank you very much. Good job. Yep. And uh, anyway, so he what is he saying? He's going to be able to uh, grow like thirty six hundred heads of lettuce a week.
2: I believe that is going to be the, that is the capacity of those of those units. Yes.
1: Holy yes. smokes! Okay, so you guys are going to be doing this study, and I saw it on Facebook, and I filled out the little survey so just so I could verify. It literally takes less than a minute and a half. Literally. Because this is, you want to know who the people are, you know, what role, are you an eater, are you a producer, blah, blah, blah. And do you have some time to spare to answer some questions, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. We have a research team that we've hired to help us with the feasibility study. They are Washington, D.C. based, and they'll be here the third week of April, so a week and a half from now and what we want to do is really help them in that space of time truly get to know what the nuances of Ketchikan as a community and the way that it relates to food. Well, and you
1: said that they have a lot of rural experience.
2: Lots of rural experience. But not Alaska experience. Not Alaska. They have some in Hawaii, which okay. I, we thought was important because you know the, the fact that we are geographically isolated is a huge factor in everything that happens with our food system. So but uh, yes we want them to to talk to a lot of the people who are buying a lot of food at a commercial level you know for the the restaurants or the institutions in town, people, or and also the, the day-to-day grocery shopper is important as well, people who are producing or are interested in producing food, and being able to show them, you know, we'll, we'll take them into the grocery stores, we want to be able to show them anywhere that food's being produced, we'll be touring Ketchikan Evergreens Farm, and we just want to make sure that we're not overlooking anybody, which is why I'm here today, is to just right. spread the word that we're doing this, and anyone who's interested to fill out the survey that's on Facebook, um, and get us some of your contact information so that we can get in touch with you when the researchers are here and they can yeah, talk they to
1: you won't directly. be spamming you or selling your information. It's just literally so that your friends and neighbors can reach out to you to be part of the survey. Now they're gonna they're gonna be here this one time, but then they aren't they coming back again?
2: They may. We haven't. Okay. It's, a, it's a two year stu- a year and a half long study, and it, as they get this first round of research kind of metabolized, it may require more visits.
1: And this is a grant that you guys got from the USDA, right? It is. That's yes. awesome. Yep. That's really cool. Did the USDA tell you or communicate to you in any way why they chose
2: catch can? I think in general, what, what we're trying to do, the whole spirit of this project is directly in line with the Grant that was issued to us. It really is about increasing food security in rural communities And that's exactly what we're we're trying to do Um, so I think it was that the spirit of the project and this you know the the mission of our organization is in direct alignment with this particular branch of the USDA Um, but also, you know, we really hammered home the fact that we live on an island disconnected from not just mainland Alaska, you know, not just the lower 48, but also from mainland Alaska. And that presents even more insecurity than other points in within the state itself. And I think that probably, you know, was something that helped tip us over the edge a little bit. That's cool. That's really cool. So the ultimate
1: goal is, we're gonna kind of compile all of this information. And then ultimately, at that point to, you know, 2023, moving forward, try and create this food hub, correct?
2: Yes, that's, that is the, we're, we're hoping that this first round of research of laying the land of the food system will be wrapped up in a few months. And from there, we can start figuring out how do we, now we know where the gaps are, how do we start plugging them? And because it's not going to be a cheap thing to do, we're going to have to start looking at how we're going to fund it and all of that, that's going to take some time. So we want to make sure that we give ourselves a good runway for phase two of the project, but also make sure that we're basing our decisions off of data.
1: Are you just like continually scouring out grants? Like, have you made best friends with the USDA grants? I'm on a lot of listservs.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know when a lot of grants come out now. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's the other cool thing about um, Catch Can. Uh, first one that pops to mind is Catch Can Wellness Coalition. Yep. Um, they're to me, they're experts at, at getting grants. Yep. You know, Grow Catch Can. They're great at getting grants for yep. people. Um, they get a few grants for themselves, but really, what they do is they get grants for other people. So. Don't forget about them. You can find them in the chamber office now. Um, but yeah, this is so, this is really, really cool. And do you envision if we have, I mean, is this going to be like a mini chamber of commerce kind of deal? Or is it going to be like, um, I don't know, like a trade associate, like Sebia?
2: I think while we're still trying to define exactly what kind of value proposition we can offer, where we're heading as a board is more towards supporting producers in some way, shape or form and making it easier to be a producer in Mm -hmm. Ketchikan. Um, So so while I don't necessarily have firm answers on exactly what that is, it would probably be sort of, you know offering support, education, guides towards grant opportunities, et cetera, uh, for people who are interested in being agricultural producers.
1: I, okay, so here, I'm going to make a prediction here. I think that you are going to be very surprised when you start compiling the information about how many people um, not only are producing, but who want to produce.
2: Yeah, and that's my hope, produce. because that's what we really are going to need more than anything, are the people who are willing to do the work. Right, right. And then, you know, I also feel like this
1: is a great way, you know, I have long been in awe and just have this huge amount of respect for our native food producers. Absolutely, Like, oh my gosh, just the, how it's done, the tradition and, and, and that's a really cool way to weave them into this. Yep. And have and then you know there there but there's all we have a huge Filipino community I don't know are they producing something I, I have no idea
2: yeah absolutely I'm just the person who likes to eat it all guys yes we need <laughs> we definitely want to make sure that all the research that we're getting is truly reflecting the diversity of the community here and our, our indigenous and, and other you know uh, groups are a very very important part of that that's re- I
1: just think that's really really cool um, okay so how do people find out where to find the survey and any other information.
2: So, Facebook is going to be the best bet. We have a Facebook page. It's called the Ketchikan Agricultural Producers Association. Kappa. Kappa for short, yes. Um, And we do have a website, KetchikanAgriculture.org. And if you have any questions and you wanted to email me directly, I am Jen with two N's, so J-E-N-N, at KetchikanAgriculture.org. I'm happy to answer any questions.
1: Nice. I love it. I love it. I love it. And she also owns Forged and Found. Ha ha. One of my favorites. One of my favorites. Got some Flamin' Salsa.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, part of Kappa did come from the, some of the struggles that that we had to overcome starting Forged and Found. And I really wanted to find a way to make it easier for other people who wanted to do something similar. So.
1: Yeah, but you guys are doing well. Hey, uh, am I allowed to say this? Well, I'm going to. Okay, so here is, my friends, a member benefit of being part of your chamber. So I get a call. I'm going to be kind of vague. The way this is, um, but I get I get a call. Uh, actually, it was a Facebook message, and it said hello from Istanbul. And I'm like, oh, this is a hoax. This <laughs> is an absolute So I start asking this this particular person a whole lot of questions, right? Because I had recently been in contact with this person um, in person, right? And so I'm like, what was the last business thing that I gave you? You know, like trying to verify. And he's patiently answering all of these questions, right? And, and, and the weird thing is, is that he had sent me screenshots of your picture from your website and Chelsea's picture. <laughs> and that's why I was like, radar on, radar on, doot, 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 doot. Okay. Anyway, turns out it was legit. He FaceTimed me indeed vacationing in Istanbul and uh, for the Easter holidays and turns out we were able um, because you're local this person was uh, dealing in non-local similar products and wants to he, he wanted to know how to get in touch with you so that he could start buying your stuff and selling them in his stores mm-hmm. we send referrals out like that all the time folks. Um, Last week, I'm going to say we sent out around $40,000 in various referrals. And, and, you know, it comes in waves. But, you we sent out a lot of referrals. And it's, I never, I never recommend a non-chamber member. Um, I know that there's other businesses out there that are very, very fine. But if someone's calling me with a specific question, it's going to be a chamber member that I'm going to recommend. Okay, so like during COVID, interesting story. I get this call from this guy up in Wasilla. And he owns a, uh, he has the contract for cleaning the inside of the Alaska Airlines planes. Well, obviously, COVID, he had to change his game up a whole lot, right? So he discovered uh, that he was having huge logistical problems because when a, a case of COVID popped up on one of those planes, they had to have, obviously, a special cleaning done. And he was having to, for thousands of dollars, send his crews all the way out in this case he described to me as all the way out to Nome, from wasilla and he just couldn't do it so he wanted to know if there if i knew of a service a sanitization service in ketchikan that could take over that portion of the contract if need be bam alaska pest management there you go cool very yeah. cool. So those kind of things pop up all the time. And then the strange one. Do you have a sec? Yeah. Okay, then the strange one. Um, yeah, so I get this email um, last week from a lady. Very nice lady. They're coming to catch Can on a cruise. She just found out uh, her mother is not going to be around much longer. Her mother's coming. She's disabled, uh, has some mobility issues, but a la- panning for gold in Alaska is just the top of her bucket list and she wanted to know where she could go panning for gold and catch camp. I was like well I gotta think about this one. I I, honestly and then I thought oh oh Gloria and Lincoln over at Poker Creek Gold and blasphemous bills. They would know. So I shot uh, Lincoln an email and I you know copied what the lady had written and turns out he goes, "Well, here's what I would, here's what I would do. We actually happen to sell gold panning pans at our both of our locations as well as the dust. And I would have them go around to the the part of the creek at Harris Street, you know where you can kind of it's just gently sloping down. Yep. It would be very easy for her to access. They won't need any permits of any sort because obviously they're not opening a major mining operation here, and then she could pan for her gold. Bingo." Mark. Referral sent, and he was kind enough to give his... He said, here's my cell, here's my email, have her reach out. Sent it off to the lady, apologize for the, for the delay. She sends me an email back. My gosh, you totally made my week. Oh,
2: that's And that's great. because people
1: in Ketchikan are friendly, right? Yes. But, so these referrals, people can be all over the map. Yeah. I... You wouldn't believe some of the inquiries that we get. (laughs) Some things we can't refer
2: out. Well, we're proud
1: to be a chamber. (laughs) Well, hey, folks, that'll do it for today. Do not forget to get your Race to Alaska raffle tickets. Here's how it works. Go to catchcanchamber.com, five bucks, and then you can guess. And everyone's asking me this. You don't guess the boat that you think will win. Not the name of the boat. You don't do that. You guess, it can be any boat, what day, time, hour, minute, and second the first boat will arrive in Ketchikan from the race to Alaska. This is a statewide raffle, just like Nanana Ice Classic. And and everyone who takes a guess, you could be the world's worst guesser, is entered to win two round-trip tickets on Alaska Airlines. Yeah, so, I mean, you don't even have to guess as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Buy a $5 ticket and be eligible for those tickets. But sales go on until June 3rd. There are also paper tickets around town, like over at Pacific Pride and the Bay Company, and... Um, Frontier Shipping, Alaska Liquor, the Potlatch, I'm forgetting someone, I'm so sorry, but there are paper tickets around town. So if you are intent on physically filling out that guess, go pick them up there, and uh, you should be good to go. Hey, thanks a lot. Have a great rest of your week, and do not forget, you can also put up your new job listings for free at catchcanchamber.com. That'll do it for us today. Have a good one.